0: Jewish Audio on Kaban.org. Our
1: unit's inside of Gaza. We've been there now for the past two months, uh, constantly without coming out. We, we hear about people you know, taking on, you know, good deeds or, or extra, or learning, learning or say, or praying for the soldiers or putting on fill for the soldiers. Every message and every little story that we hear about that really reminds us of who, who we're fighting for and what we're fighting for.
0: Welcome, everybody. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Stories. I'm Hannah Weisberg, host of this podcast. And today I have a very special guest for you. I'm joined by Major Ezie Morgenstern straight from the battle in Israel. He is a member of the IDF. He's a major in the army, and he's joining us in a quite an impromptu um, interview straight from the battlefield to give us a little bit of a feeling of what are things going, how are things going there? Thank you so much for joining us, Major Ezzie.
1: Hello, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, Can you tell us a little about where you're joining us from or wh- what's going on there?
1: Okay, uh, I'm an officer in... Uh, we, uh, we're a <coughs> combat engineering unit. Uh, we're attached to the Kulani Brigade. Kulani is probably one of the more famous units fighting this war. Uh, they took the highest amount of casualties.
0: Right.
1: Uh, yeah, as a, as a combat engineering unit, we, we do everything. We open obstacles. We open roads, bridges, uh, and anything to do with explosives. So detonating explosives, uh, disarming explosives, blowing up, uh, buildings, obstacles. And, uh, we have a special, special equipment unit. So D nines and tractors, armored D nines and tractors. It's all, wow. all part of our unit and, uh, our units inside of Gaza. We've been there now for the past two months, uh, Constantly without coming out uh, I'm more in the you know, the command post of the unit Yeah,
0: what does that mean the command post what would that like? What would so that int-
1: it, it's the Ford command. It's basically a field com- Sorry uh,
0: Sorry, just back up a minute, a, a little bit. You were saying what, so what is so? It's a
1: forward the- command center. It's it's where it's, it's basically where the brains of the operation happens. Where all the radio communication is from, and we have uh, we can get drone feeds, and we can get uh, computers, and we can see where our units are. We have computer special systems that show us where our units are and other units are, and basically the unit the, the units. Um, connect with us and we connect other units and that's where we control all our operations from
0: wow so you're kind of controlling where everyone's going and how they're going is that is that did i understand yeah
1: we, we control all the operations so we're made up of the operations uh intel so it's where we also get all intel and then pass it on uh we get the intel we pass it on so we're made up of Radio communications, intel operations, special operations, and yeah, we we control uh, where the where the units go and what they do.
0: Wow. Okay, and we can hear there's a lot going, yeah, going, on, right, a lot going on right right, right now. now. Never, right a, never a quiet moment. I have to
1: find the quiet corner where I can try to speak, but somebody's always looking for me. Something's always happening.
0: Uh, wow. There's
1: no night. There's no day. It's 24 hours a day.
0: Wow. And I know that there's a drone that that we were hearing a few minutes ago. ago. So, so you're, you're joining us there from the battlefield. What does it feel like? Like, what is, how does, what, what is your mood? I can't even like contemplate, you know, so much is going on and we're in a life and death situation. How do you really have the courage to be there and to be fighting on behalf of us all?
1: It's an interesting question. Um, And uh, one of my main jobs, I'm, I'm the chaplain of the unit, and I have to deal with a little, the younger soldiers who deal with a lot of um, mood swings and they have better days and worse days, and depending how the operations are going and things that happen. So, I find myself helping a lot of soldiers need to cope with what's going on. And sometimes I have to think to myself, like, how do I cope? Um, it's not easy. There are hard days. There's easier days. There's a lot of stress, not sleeping not eating proper meals uh but i think the main thing is to stay focused on on the mission why we're here what we're doing and that's what gets us through it sometimes sometimes you have to just remove your emotions you know it's got to work like a soldier's orders we go forward we move and uh try to remove our feelings from it as hard as it is or as difficult it is but that's what keeps us going
0: so, what what words of inspiration would you give to boost the morale of some of your soldiers or the, the people underneath you?
1: Uh, I have a lot of a lot of conversations with my soldiers, um, and a lot of them, a lot some of them are are, are scared. Some of them want to be doing more. They they want to be inside the battle and they're not inside the battle. And I usually try to ask them. I say, Are you here for yourself? Or are you here for 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 all of Israel? Are you here for the army? They, what's your motivation? And they go, oh, I'm here to, to fight for for all of the Jews and all of Israel. So I say, if that's the case, then you need to be ready to do. You need to be ready to do whatever you're asked to do. Uh, don't think that you know what's right. There's a system, and whatever's right will come your way. Like you, you'll get the right mission. You'll do the right mission. You have to trust. You have to have. You have to have faith. You know, we have to understand that we're. We're not. We're not fighting. We're fighting a spiritual war and a physical war. Uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of bittachon, a lot of faith involved, uh, and and that's really it. If if you if you if you come with a clear head and you understand why we're really here, uh, it helps you cope with uh, very stressful situations.
0: So as I mean, I know that you grew up as you you are a Chabad chasid. Can you tell us some of the teachings maybe that inspire you or that help you in moments when you would feel so low, or you would feel so scared, or so frightened, or things are not going so well.
1: Yeah. So, um, as a Hasid, I always go back to uh, to the Rebbe's teachings. Um, you know, I, you know. I, first of all, I read Yom Yom every day, and there's been in the last few the last few weeks, there's been like specific Yom Yom that, like, sometimes I think the Rebbe's talking directly to me where everybody talks about the importance of of being, uh, being the shliath, being a messenger where you are, and you're there for a reason. And whatever reason you're there, you have to. sometimes we understand why we're there. But if you're there, you have to understand that you were sent there from above. God has put you there for a specific reason. And if you remember that, even when it's hard and when it's, things are really rough or things seems very scary, you go back to the source and remember, well, I'm here. God put me here for a reason. This is where I'm supposed to be. And that that helps you helps you calm down to say like I'm not here by mistake. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here for a reason.
0: Wow. I mean, I, I guess that helps all of us in any situation, but especially like, you know, seeing you there on the battlefield in, in a midst of it all, it just makes the point so much stronger. Um, what what is the general mood of your of the, the people there, of the soldiers there on battle. So
1: a very high motivation. Soldiers uh, are ready to do what they need to do. Um, they hope that the you know they hope that the government makes the right choices and lets the army do what it needs to do. Um, they're ready to take they're ready they're ready to, to 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 be here as long as the job needs to get done. And a lot of the soldiers complain like, oh, why did the government do this? Why are they doing this? They're doing this wrong. And I have a saying I like to tell them, I tell my soldiers, they say, try not to worry yourself about things that you have very little control of. You know, try to, try to focus on the things that you can control. You control the people around you, you control your mood, you control how you act with the people around you. But you don't have a lot of control of the government or the or the higher you know the higher ups in the army what they choose so tr- it's not worth it getting worked up about it
0: right H- how many soldiers are underneath you like that you are direct
1: so as an army chaplain i'm technically in charge of you know i i all the soldiers are considered you know i work with them our unit's about 450 soldiers from end to end with combat and combat support, and all in all, intelligence and everything, and all the every all the all the all the personnel around the whole unit is about four hundred and fifty.
0: Can you tell us a little about the logistics, like where you're sleeping, where you're eating, where you're, how long have you been there in Gaza, you personally?
1: Uh, so I've been called up. My unit, my unit has been called up since Simchat I was in the middle of dancing. Wow. Um, I, I was completely immersed, in I didn't know anything was going out around. I didn't have any indication. And then slowly somebody came into the show and he and looked straight dancing. I read my phone and we've been here. We've been here since October 7th. We've been called up, uh, we move around, um, but where we sleep, <laughs> it's anywhere anywhere you can put your head down. So sometimes it's sometimes in the field, the sleeping bag, you're lying on the ground. Um, sometimes you come to a certain base, you may get a bed and uh, be inside of a tent. Uh, but it's definitely not an air-conditioned room. I have not seen a room. Um, I'm lucky if I get to sleep on a bed. Um, I'm luckier if I get a two inch foam mattress. <laughs> wow.
0: Um, and this has been the last two over two months.
1: This has been the last two months. I, I, I'm happy if I get to take my boots off. <laughs> uh, there's no pajamas in the army. I mostly just sleep in my uniform. Um,
0: and, and food. Food?
1: So food is interesting. It's, um, Sometimes you'll get like a, like an airplane packed meal uh, For breakfast, they'll, they'll just put on a table. They'll put some like bread and cheese But um, then once in a while you get if you depend where you get you can get you know We get a lot of a lot. There's a lot of civilians that bring food um, Once in a while they'll come to our base and they'll make a barbecue in the evening uh, so mostly just like food you, you eat on the run and once in a while but you uh, very rarely do you get like a, a cooked meal. Mm-hmm. So it's really just like a packed meal, ready to go. Um, something quick. And then once in a while, a barbecue or somebody will bring like a falafel stand, stuff like that.
0: So civilians are able to come to your base. It's not. a
1: Depending a which, or depending, okay. where, depending where we are. And there's bases that a lot, it's a lot easier for civilians to come. And then there's certain times where I'm in the field where where we work on the vehicles, we work on the tanks. Where we fix things, and that those are places that are harder for uh, civilians to get to.
0: Wow, have in the last two months have you been able to get home at all to visit your family? So,
1: so since since I've been called up, since I've been home three times, uh, times. twice, just under twenty four hours. And the last time I got home was the longest. I spent about two days at home during Sonica, and that was very nice to finally get home and spend wow. a little bit more time with family.
0: Wow. I know right before, you know, you, 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 we, we went live, you said you were speaking to your family, to your children on Skype?
1: Yes, yeah, Skype, uh, WhatsApp, whatever, you know, any one of them. Yeah, they usually so call them. I call them pretty much, try to call them once a day.
0: Can you tell us a little about your family, how many children you have, what their ages are?
1: So can were uh, eight. Wow. Um, my oldest daughter is uh, 15 and uh, my youngest is four. Oh, wow. And then everything wow. in
0: between. Wow. And how, how does your, like, how does your family deal with the tension involved with what's going on with knowing um, that their father's in danger?
1: So I calm them down. And lucky for me i'm i'm i spend most i spend i spend almost all my time in you know inside of israel deep you know f- f- far from the border um uh, usually i'm not i'm not in any area that's directly uh in the fight um but I'm, I'm 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 away and it's eight kids at home so baruch hashem my wife does a really really amazing job um but You know, I explained to the family and the family knows that I'm fighting the front. I'm fighting. I'm helping my unit fight on the front lines and they're helping the war, you know, back home. And and that's what's really incredible about this war uh, is that everybody everybody understands that they need to do their part. So whether you're a soldier fighting on the front lines or a Israeli civilian or everybody, everybody realizes they need to do something. And uh, for my family, they understand the importance that they're they're helping by letting their father be with the unit and do what I need to do. They're helping. They're helping. They're doing their part in the war.
0: I'm just trying to imagine what the goodbyes are like when you say like you, you were home for 24 hours or two days during Hanukkah. I'm wondering what are the goodbyes like when you say goodbye to your family?
1: Yeah, it's, it's very hard. It's very hard. Every time saying goodbye, And uh, you know, again, I remember the first time saying goodbye to them on Simba's Terra And then it was, it was a lot of unknowns, nobody knew what was really going on. Um, but every time I come home, it's, it's great being together but when I have to go, it's, it's always, it's a long goodbye. Um, sure. trying to find everybody and say goodbye to everybody. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's emotional.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure that there's also a strong unity amongst the soldiers on, on, on battle, the people that are in, in the army, in your, in your battalion, there must be a strong comradeship. Can you tell us a little about that?
1: Yeah, without a question. And my, you know, being 450 soldiers and I know, I know pretty much all of them because my unique position, I really get to meet all the soldiers and I really meet people from all walks of life. Um, and and here in the army, you really don't people don't judge you by how you are on the outside, or, or, or how religious you are, or or you know what your political views are. Um, you just that's it. We're just soldiers. We're soldiers. We're next to each other. We're all in the same fate. We're doing the same thing together. And uh, you really, really see the unity. You really see like uh, you really understand that you know we're really not that different. You know we're we're a lot more similar than we are different. And when you get into situation, you know, we're two, almost closing in almost, you know, two and a half months, almost three months together away from our families, um, you know, like push yourself to the hardest limit. You really understand what it means unity and you really understand, uh, you know, what it means to focus on what's important and not, and not, and not just some superficial external points of every person.
0: Right. Very true. And and what, like, it's what is that point that you're focusing on? Like, what is it that it seems like there's a tremendous awakening, or at least this is what we're hearing um, here, towards doing more mitzvot, towards brotherhood, towards Am Yisrael Chai, the Jewish people are alive. Like, what are you seeing there on the battlefront?
1: So everybody connects to something different, but the main point was on October 7th, when Hamas came over the border, um, they didn't ask anybody what their observance level was they didn't ask anybody what their political opinion was they didn't ask anybody do you believe in a one state solution two slave solution or or anything like that they looked at you they looked at you as a jew and that was it and 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 if that's how they looked at us <laughs> people say well then that's what we are we're, we're we're all in the same boat together um and you really see you really see awakening people are people are a, a lot more open to torah to mitzvah. Um it's, it's it's amazing how many soldiers uh, are walking around with tzitzis Um, I have boxes and boxes of tzitzis. I've given out hundreds and hundreds of tzitzis um And it, it's, it's very funny because you know, you usually see somebody wearing tzitzis openly walking around with the tzitzit out You're like, oh, well this you know, this person's religious But you see everybody's just everybody just walking around with tzitzis like the new style in the army <laughs>
0: Uh, and what do, you, what do you attribute that to? Why do you think that
1: is? People have an awakening. Like I said, um, they looked at us, you know, you're Jewish. You know, you have one Torah, one God. So, well, uh, that's, that's who we are. Right. We might as well just wear it proudly. Right.
0: Wow. Do you do you have any feeling about how long the war might last?
1: Yeah, I don't even I don't even think the I don't even think the the top generals know. No, no, right. Uh, Yeah.
0: I'm wondering if you have any comments on you know lately we've been hearing a lot about the friendly fire. What are your thoughts about that? People being killed through friendly fire.
1: Um, It happens in every war, and it's a sad it's a sad fact of war. Um, and especially when you're fighting, you're not fighting a proper army. You're not fighting. Um, you know, you're, you're fighting in their home front. You're fighting in their territory. Very, very close quarters. Um, I see the videos. I see the pictures. Um, you never know where people are coming out. It's a small area where a lot of units are in. Um, there's a lot of human error involved and it, it hurts. It's, 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 very sad. And, uh, we, the army goes to, to, to a lot to, not even try, not even let the soldiers, even if the army knows that somebody was killed to friendly fire. Um, but we try not to let the soul, you know, uh, because they have to live with this for the rest of their life. So it's very hard, but it's, it's always been, it's always been, uh, so even one of the facts of wars, when you're fighting that kind of battle and you're fighting that kind of enemy,
0: right? Is there something that the soldiers or you do when you are going into this, going into this situation where you know is a dangerous situation? What should someone be thinking or preparing themselves to handle it?
1: so there's 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 physical preparation and there's and then there's you know mental preparation so physically you gotta you gotta run the drills and you gotta you know you you brief the soldiers and everybody has to know what their job is and what their specific role is and where they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to do and you try to if you have time you try to run as many drills as you can um but once you're inside it gets harder and harder and mentally you you know you have to realize what you're going into, what to, what you might expect, um, and like I said, understand who you doing, why you doing it, who you doing it for, um, and the more the more time you have for prepared, the better you, you you hope the better the outcome is.
0: Right, right. So I guess the the why, like why you're there and what you're doing, prepare plays such a big role in in this all. Your mental in your in your mental preparation and emotional yeah, preparation.
1: And that's, what, that's what we constantly tell the soldiers. We're not fighting this battle for ourselves. We're not here for ourselves. We're fighting it for our families back home. We're fighting it for, for 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 the for the front. And and even more than that. Now I think it's very clear that we're not even fighting Israel's not alone. This is not Israel fighting the war. This is it's not even all the Jews, it's not even fighting for all the Jews of the world. Um, it's fighting for anybody that believes in god godly and torah values and uh We're fighting we're fighting, you know, I I tell my soldiers all the time Uh, we're writing we're writing the the lines of history now. We're writing history You know, we're exactly 50 years from the yom kippur war Everybody knows everybody is who grew up with stories of soldiers and heroism and and miracles during the yom kippur war I said, those people during the war, they may not realize that they were writing history. In 50 years from now, people would be talking and remembering their stories. Uh, but we're writing history. In 50 years, people were talking about us and what we did, and they'll judge us. And uh, they'll live, they'll, you know, they'll remember us and uh, live after us. So we're writing the lines of history.
0: Right. Absolutely. Um, it, it's you know, for us, for us living out of air, out of Israel in Chosla Aretz, um, we we have tremendous gratitude for what you're doing. You know, you're, you're really heroes for us. Is there any message that you'd want to give to the people here that are, might be listening to this?
1: So I speak to so many soldiers and we all, it's, it's, it's we, we really feel the support. It's amazing how much we feel the support, whether it's, Financial support whether it's the letters that we get whether it's we we we, we hear about people you know, taking on You know good deeds or or extra or learning Learning or say or praying for the soldiers or putting on fill-in for the soldiers every message and every little story that we hear about that really Reminds us of who who we're fighting for and what we're fighting for um, and it's it's since the start of this war it's been amazing the feedback that we get from around the world, and it really, really, really means a lot. So you might think, like, well, what does it make a difference if I do an extra prayer? I'm so far away, um, but we feel it. We feel, it, we really feel it, and it means a lot to us, and it really helps us keep keep fighting.
0: Wow, beautiful! Wow, really beautiful. Um, is there any any story that you can share with us, or episode that you can share with us that might give us some strength, or that might give us some courage encouragement?
1: So, you know, sometimes, um, the miracles are so, so common around here. We don't, we might not even realize that they're happening. Um, but um, it's, it's daily that, that we, that, that stories come in and it's whether, you know, I saw somebody with a pair of tzitzes that, that stopped, uh, a piece of shrapnel. Wow. Um, but I remember one of the early days when we were in the command center and, uh, we we got we we got a report. At one of our one of our vehicles, one of the, one of our armored vehicles, was hit by uh, anti tank missile. And uh, we look we so we we get we connected to the drone and we were able to see the, the image from on top and we could see uh, we could see the drone and we could see the fire the, the heat coming off of it and it just looked like a like a burning inferno. And you know throughout the chaos heck, we're trying to figure out what's going on and get. Get people get on the radio and um, We found out who we, we figure out who whose APC it is um, We were sure that you know, this is gonna be a really you know, one of our early days in the war but then we heard we heard the commander get on the get on the radio and He said everybody got out We're watching this thing with the, we're watching the ABC burn we're like okay at least they got out but we lost one of our vehicles. I came morning we fought, we, we 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 started we started getting a clear picture of what went on and uh, actually turned out that the APC wasn't even hit. There was a tree between where the anti, anti, where, where the missile was shot and it hit a tree and the tree was was on fire and uh, the APC was right next to it. Um, and uh, if you see pictures of gaza, there's not a lot of trees in gaza <laughs> Not a lot of big yeah. tree um And not only that not only did everybody get out um, but the 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 apc was only lightly uh You know burnt. Wow. And otherwise it was still functional so wow things like that happen all the time And even even in the hardest situations uh, like I said we, we we have we have so we have injured soldiers and uh, we 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 we've lost a few soldiers. It's it hurts, but almost every story where 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 we lost soldiers, uh, there were soldiers that were miraculously saved. So even in the hard stories, there's always a little bit of light.
0: Um, well, are are you the one that deals with soldiers who have lost comrades? Do you? Yeah, as a chaplain
1: up? as a chaplain, I deal I have to deal with um with all with all soldiers that are killed in battle. Um we we start the burial process, we start uh, we start the funeral process. Um, we have to try to identify them as early as possible. Uh, that's that's one of my jobs as an officer.
0: Uh, that, so that, as must chaplain, a, I- that must take a very strong emotional toll. <laughs>
1: It does it does it's very uh, It's hard to describe um, And that's why that's why only 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 specific tra- chaplains who have specific training can deal with uh, the sea soldiers um, Because it it, t- it it takes it takes it takes a big toll on on the soldiers seeing one of Their friends or somebody they know that passed away or was killed in in battle. So we right. try to we try to we try to remove the soldiers as fast as we can from the area, and then only trained people who deal with it. That's it's not always possible,
0: right? And wh- how do you deal with it emotionally?
1: Um, I understand what I'm going into. I always go in with a prayer. I ask ask God to guide me to make sure I to to make sure I I I give I give the soldier the best the honor him the best I can. Um, and again, I remember why I'm doing it, who I'm doing it for, the importance, you know, the, the idea of a met mitzvah or what we call chesed true a true true act of kindness um, and how important it is and how special it is they get to do that. Um, and afterwards, I always find somebody, another another chaplain, somebody older. We, I discuss it with him. We talk about it, um, because the worst thing is trying to keep it inside. Um, and that's why I, whenever a soldier, whenever whenever a unit loses a soldier, I try to talk to all the soldiers, ask them how they feel about it, uh, what they think, and I want them to open up as much as possible because. By opening up, that's how that's how we heal.
0: You know, it, it strikes me that you're you're there because you're defending all of the Jewish people because we're all brothers and sisters, and and yet you know there's this bond so strong for all the commanders that are in the on the battlefield that you really feel that tangible brotherhood so strongly because you're there for one another and you're just protecting one another.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing how, how selfless people come, uh, selfless, how people come uh, and how much people give up for their friends, um, how far they'll go for them because they know that their friends will do the same thing for them.
0: Wow. I, I, and that's, I guess it's brought out and, and only an, a war can really bring that out, you know, that that, that closeness and that selflessness. It,
1: it definitely, yeah, it definitely uh, magnifies it, you know, very strongly.
0: Right. wow. H- how long have you been in the army?
1: I joined the army in 2000, March 2004. Um, wow. I served four years. I served, you know, I served first as a soldier and then as a commissioned officer, um, and I served four years in the regular army. And since about 2008, I've been in, as I've been a reservist. Well, switched several I, jobs. I moved. There. Yeah, you,
0: you don't have any Israeli accent, so you're obviously not from Israel.
1: No, I was uh, I was born in uh, in Morristown, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I grew up um, all my childhood. And uh, yeshiva, I learned in uh, America. I first got to Israel in uh, 2002. I was about 20 years old. I learned to hear in yeshiva, and it was till 2003, 2004 is when I uh, joined the army.
0: Joined, and and what what motivated you to join the army at that point?
1: Uh, it's hard to say. Anybody who remembers me, anybody who knows me. As Far back as anybody could remember. I told I told anybody I knew that I was gonna when I got older I was gonna join the Israeli army um, people thought Okay Some kids want to be a policeman. Some kids want to be a fireman Uh, And he wants to join the army. He'll grow out of it Um, and I got older and people my family and friends they quickly understood. I wasn't going to grow out of this and uh As the older I got the more I spoke about it, and something that was always with me. I always said I was going to go join the Israeli army.
0: And what was it that was calling you to protect our people?
1: Uh, I grew up with. I grew up with. The, with the, my father, uh, volunteered uh, in the Yom Kippur War. He was, uh, he was. He was. He was. He was. 18 years old, and he. Dropped everything. He was he lived in Toronto. He lived in Canada. He dropped everything, and he went to volunteer. Uh, back then, he, you couldn't you couldn't just come to the army. You couldn't just come to Israel, and go to the army. But he he went. He worked on the kibbutz, and he switched. He switched with soldiers, so they can go to the front lines. And he was he spent a year in Israel during during and after the Yom Kippur War. And I always remember that story. And it kind of always resonated with me, and it was like, oh, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to defend uh, Israel.
0: Wow. What bravery. Incredible. Incredible. Um, Major Ezi, thank you so much for joining us. This was incredible. Um, I know you're in the middle of so many things going on there. You're right there in the camps on the battlefield. And I just really appreciate that you took your time to give us a little bit of a feel of what's going on there and the gratitude that we all have for you and for what you and your comrades are doing. I mean, no words will suffice to express what we, the gratitude that we have for you for protecting the Jewish people the way that you're doing it. So thank you so much for for you and all, all the people that are in your battalion and all the and all the our, the officers in the IDF as a whole for everything that you're doing for all of us.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for helping spread the message, and thanks to all all the Jews around everybody around the world who's been helping and supporting us.
0: Thank you, thank you, and let's hope that we finally come to the day when when peace is all is over all the entire world.
1: Amen. That we're really hoping that comes soon.
0: Yeah. I guess more Thank than now, you.
1: we we really understand the meaning of all those prayers, asking for 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 Mashiach and asking for a time of peace. Um really you can see it in what's it called? Try that. I have a patch of Mashiach patch. Oh
0: wow,
1: wow! And I have I have them, and and I carry with me about. I bought I have a few hundred of them. I bought a, I bought a few hundred of them. And everywhere I go, every soldier, they go, I hear you're giving out the patches. Where's my Mashiach patch on? And I give about, about, out of 300, I may have like 20, 30 left. And I just have them in my pocket every day. And soldiers constantly come to me and ask me for their Mashiach patch. So if you walk around my unit, you see everybody with their Mashiach patch on.
0: It it just shows, you know, these fierce soldiers who are so courageous – what do they really want? They want peace. And that's that's what we all want. We just that's, want peace, everlasting they peace. Just,
1: they all just want it to end. They want to go back to their families. They want quiet. They want to know that they could live in, in in safety and quiet. And a lot of them realize, yeah, that's well, that's mashiach. Living in Israel, quiet safety, that's mashiach.
0: Right. Amen. Let it happen soon. Thank you again. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing for us. And thank you for joining us. Thank you. Wow. What an interview with major Ezie Morgenstern. Morgenstern. Uh, you know, this interview was actually very impromptu. Uh, a colleague of mine suggested that I reach out to him. I reached out to him and he said, Okay, let's do it. We were not really prepared in terms of questions and in terms of where he was going to be doing it. It was either now or not, because when you're on the battlefield, you don't really have the luxury of time to decide when you can do something or not. And so throughout the interview, you probably have heard there was drones flying overhead that gave some background noise. There was a lot going on in the barracks there. There was a lot going on where he was stationed And of course, he couldn't divulge all the information of where he was at, but you get a feel of really being in the midst of it all right there on the battlefield from what he, from the surrounding pictures and from what he was speaking to us about. One of the things that stands out so much from his interview, actually two things that I felt that really stood out from his interview. One of the things was the unity of the Jewish people, the unity of the soldiers there, how all of them are so united and how you have to be so united when you're on a mission that you rely on each other so so much that the selflessness of your own personhood becomes just enmeshed with those around you and you're just there to help them and they're there to help you and the unity that comes about no matter what your political views no matter what your status and your religious observance and all that uh, another point that really I felt came out from the interview was how he explained that when you have a why, you can really get through anything. And it was really the why, the understanding of the mission of the soldiers, them understanding that they were really there to preserve, to fight for the self-preservation of the Jewish people. They're there for the families that are in Israel. They're there to protect. They're there to continue living as Am Yisrael. When you realize what you are battling against, how you can get through anything and really everything i mean the worst possible situations not only logistically where he explains how he hasn't slept for the last two months on a bed and how he hasn't taken off his boots we're not talking even about the physical comforts but when you're meeting danger daily on a day-to-day basis you really need to know your why and what you're doing why you're doing it and i guess that applies to all of us as well how we can get through the most difficult situations, the, the greatest obstacles, the greatest challenges in our lives, once we know what our purpose is, what our mission is, and the why of what we're doing. Uh, so that really stood up for, out for me as something that I can take home as a message for all of us in our day-to-day lives. So if you are enjoying these podcasts, if you're enjoying Ordinary People with Extraordinary Stories, I hope that you are subscribed to receive these in your email. You can subscribe to these. Uh, These podcasts are available on all podcast streaming platforms, but you can also subscribe on Chabad.org, Chabad.org forward slash extraordinary. Please as well, make sure you leave a comment. We love to hear your feedback. We love to hear your thoughts. Thank you again for joining us on Ordinary People with Extraordinary Stories.